This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Talk Recorded live. You there, Eddie? Yeah. Okay. The other day, um, actually, was it? Well, was it? No, Friday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. I was at work, and like all of a sudden, I got a text message from from Mike, and it was like a long, like a freaking like ten inches text message saying like, "Oh, you know." I'll be careful with Dave Eager. Um, <laughs> he's preaching. He's preaching. You know, like that God is spraying chemtrails on people, and he's you know he's very um about the law, and you know he's uh he's not into grace and this and that, and you know he's he's very like you know he's making God like an angry God and this and that. And then like I was like texting him back, and I was like, look, man, you know at the end of the day, I listen to what I want. And if you have a problem with him, you know, why don't you just, you know, call him and tell him what you feel? Because, you know, I like listening to him. You know, I believe that, you know, since I've been listening to Dave, I've been actually getting closer to the Lord. So, you know, I don't know what's, you know, what the problem, you know, you have with him or whatever. So, and then he's like, okay, you know, I want, I want to like, like talk to him or whatever. But like his whole thing is like, he's like into like grace and, you know, I understand that. Okay. Like, that's just, like his main focus. You know what I'm saying? Okay, he's not familiar with uh, the word grace. It's like um, I would say about um, it's it's normal. About ninety percent of Christians. It's actually over that. I'm just underestimating. Right. But if I was to ask him about the uh, it's the historical definition of the word grace, he'd probably be in the same uh, predicament as. Ninety percent of other Christians, uh, they've never even heard. They don't even know what grace means. So he's saying a word, but he doesn't. He doesn't understand. There's different interpretations of that word. I mean, there's only one genuine meaning. But mm. um, it, it, this is not that difficult. His favorite teacher is uh, Joseph Prince. Right, right, Joseph Prince. Okay, so I mean, he's a notorious false teacher. It doesn't really have to do anything with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the word faith movement. If you're in that movement, you're you're done. I said that that is the most patently false, uh, bad imitation of Christianity in the history of Christianity. It's not even remotely Christian. Now, here's what they're doing. They're taking Christian terms and pouring different meanings into it. This is what exactly what Joseph Prince is doing. So what he's teaching, uh, you could have a lot of different uh, names for it but it's it's people give names to it. it's called hyper grace uh i would call it like easy forgivism 
Okay, uh, the Bible doesn't teach that anywhere, never did, didn't even come close to it, and it's come straight from the devil. Right. Basically, what he's doing, I mean, he won't come out and say this, but um, when you get around that kind of teaching, it gives license to sin. And he, Joseph Prince is never going to admit that. I mean, he he has accusations, but um, what he needs to do is study word-faith doctrine. He's not even familiar with it. Uh, hopefully, he'll be horrified. It's got more compatible with, like, you know, new thought, uh, which is 19th century, uh, actually a non-Christian, new Christianity, new thought, or even Gnosticism, uh, more of a modern Gnosticism, though. Okay. And every one of those words that they use uh, has a different meaning. you got to figure out, you know, when they say this word, what do they mean? Okay? Because they won't come out and tell you. Uh, pretty much every single major player in that movement, I'm talking about the Word of Faith movement, okay. is on the payroll. They're, they're all agents. It's one of the greatest deceptions ever directed at Christians, and um, he's unaware. So he needs to... What's he that needs called to Word of Faith? Word, Word, of faith faith Word of Faith movement. You know, the people I've talked about on the show. Uh, I've talked about E.W. Canyon and how... Okay. But he actually got his... He was influenced by Christian science. You have to... Google that. See, what the heck is Christian science? That has nothing to do with Christianity. It's a cult. It's one of the major... Christian science was the third biggest cult, uh, depending on your view of Seventh-day Adventism. Uh, it's the third biggest cult behind... Uh, I mean, this is what Christian apologetics ministries say. They say it's the biggest cult besides um, Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, from the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway... Um, he was the primary influence of uh, Kenneth Hagin. And Kenneth Hagin is considered to be the founder of the World Faith Movement. Okay, yeah. But after him um, came uh, Kenneth Copeland. He was right. influenced. I mean, he sat under Kenneth Hagin's teaching or was influenced by it. These guys are some of the worst false teachers out there ever. Once you hear what they actually teach, it, it's shocking. It's disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's troubling. It's a massive deception. Uh, we talked about it. Um, I had a lady on the show. She was in a, sat under that teaching for years. Okay. Right. I don't mention her name, but... Um, I, haven't, it, I haven't heard... I mean, I used to listen to Kenneth Copeland like back in the day. And uh-huh. like, um, Joseph Prince. I, I listened to him like once in a while. But I haven't listened to him like, you know, like, like regularly, like in uh-huh. years. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he's but, um, a trickster because he's not going to define these terms for you. He's going to—he's not there to define the terms. That—that's your problem. So go ahead. Right. But but like, how do we define grace then? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, okay, all you got to do is go to Google and put unmerited favor and put the word grace. That's what okay. it means. That's the way it should be translated: unmerited favor. Mm-hmm. Okay, that means that you can't do anything to merit grace. And these guys don't believe that. They believe that God responds to man. And none of the Protestant reformers, let's go back to that, okay? And if you look at Christianity, the biggest reformation, you know, reform of the church. Right. Remember in Matthew 17, 11, in the New American Standard, it says Elijah will come and reform all things or everything. Mm-hmm. That's a good translation. So it could be translated reform. Okay. So anyway, that was the biggest reform in the history of the church. Okay. 
And they all believe the same thing. Okay? Okay. Uh, one exception would be uh, a guy called Melanchthon. He was Luther's kind of right-hand man. Then after Luther died, he changed his view on grace. And, uh, and I believe he was an agent. He was sent to Luther oh. to deceive him. They always try to do that kind of stuff. They try to give you a right-hand man, you know. But apart from that, all the Protestant reformers, um, you know, the major ones, they, 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 help, they believe the same thing I believe. And this is uh, kind of sad because uh, most Christians, are not even, they haven't even helped. You know? Right. I mean, it's, it's um, Lutherans believe this and Calvinists believe it. And uh, Christians don't even know what Calvinists believe. They just say, oh, those are the ones that believe in predestination. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, you don't have to believe in predestination. You can be inconsistent. <clears throat> a lot of people don't know this, okay? But one of the greatest Christians in the history of the church, in my opinion, is John Wesley. He was the founder of the Methodist Church, okay? okay. Now, what this has to do with is, is a word called monergism. It's a kind of a fancy word, you know, theological word. But what that teaches is that you can't, do anything to save yourself, and you don't contribute anything at any point along the line. The whole salvation process, basically, it comes down to you can't save yourself. Okay. Right, right, of course. Now these um these tricksters, some of them will deny. Oh, they'll say, oh, I I, I believe that too. You can't uh, save yourself. Uh, but they either don't understand what they believe, or don't understand grace, or they're deceiving you. And unless they're an agent. They're not going to just, you know, they're, they're deceive you. Only agents do that. I mean, in other words, the people are sincere, but they don't understand these terms. They never learn these terms as a general rule. They don't teach them in church. You'd have to teach them to yourself. You know what I mean? But, okay. Maybe I have a question. So how do we approach God then? You know, saying like, oh, we can't um, do didn't you ask, say something to me about prayer? About what? Didn't you ask me about prayer one time? Right, okay. Okay, well, it's at the end of that podcast. I got it hold up. It's called Chemical Cult. And look at the title. It says Prayer at the very end. So I, I went into all that. I bas- I said all the basics. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, I just listened to that. I don't know if you've heard that, because I, I think I just uploaded uh, six new podcasts. Right. Um, okay. The one on Edge Television Show, that was the that was one Is I got a recent the, one. No, I did it back in uh, 2015. Oh, okay. I never, I, I never up- uploaded them. Show. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can listen to it. I mean, I went over all the basics. So. One time uh, I was trying to do it, but I got cut off. And I thought it was deliberate, but I think I just ran out of time. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not always a conspiracy, you know. But I was talking about prayer one night, yeah, and then. The, the, it ended right there. And like, oh, I, <laughs> I was suspicious. Right. I think I just ran out of time. So. <clears throat> it's not always. It's not always a conspiracy, Eddie. <laughs> no, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've had to learn, you know, uh, because. Um, well, actually, sometimes we we try to get revelation because I don't know, and uh, right. I've been told, no, 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 that was just a natural thing to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, because I didn't know. I didn't know. You know. You couldn't really tell if they were doing something or not. So the only way you could know was through revelations. And, mm-hmm. but, 
sometimes it's just a natural thing. I, I believe in coincidence, too. I just think that God is behind it, coincidence, you know. Of course, yeah. He's involved with that. <clears throat> anyway. <clears throat> so basically, um, so just, I'll, I'll look up about prayer. What's that? I'll, I'll look that up, that, that podcast that you did. Yeah, just, you can just listen to the end of it if you want. It was yeah. uh, towards the end. Yeah. Okay. So, I was going to ask you a question about what? You know, probably, some people think probably that uh, I'm all into conspiracies and stuff like that. But, uh, and actually, uh, you know, I see a load and um, I'm basically saving all that for the future. Right, right. I, I could explain why, but it, one reason is on this show we we have a tradition of just like getting on here and talking. We don't really do anything that's really planned that much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never really done a uh, like a regular Bible study. Right. You know? Well, I, I'm just uh, talking off the top of my head pretty much. And that's why normally I don't even get the Bible out. But uh, that will change in the future. <clears throat> I've always, I was always playing that. That was a, just a tradition that Connie started, mm-hmm. and uh, we just get on there and talk. You know, and, uh, it's not really a, any kind of, it's not a formal Bible study. I've never really had a formal Bible study, but to me, a formal bi- Bible study is something that's just done a certain way. Other people would think I am doing Bible studies down there, maybe little ones or something like that. You know, but to me, I'm kind of idealistic, and technically, I've never really done a, a formal Bible study. Now, the reason I say that, people don't realize. Um, I claim that that's my primary gift. In fact, <clears throat> what I was doing all those years is trying to figure out what the scriptures meant. I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever said that on the show. Okay. That's the number one thing that I was doing all those years, is trying to figure out what is the correct interpretation. You see? Right. That's always been my primary concern. All this uh, conspiracy stuff, that's not anywhere nearly important as the Bible. So I got mm-hmm. that out. I mean, this is what I believe, and I always tell people that. I'm not sure if I've ever said the show. I think, I don't know if I asked you this question, um, Dave, but like um, when when someone dies, are, do they go directly to heaven or hell, or or do they, um, are, like they are they like in a dreamless, like sleep. No, that's called soul sleep. Have you been exposed to that from somewhere? Well, actually, I heard the Greek talk about that. Like when oh. eyes, they just they're just like in a in a sleep where they're not conscious of anything, and then like eventually they'll be resurrected. But you know, yeah, like in the Bible, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, he's based on the Old Testament passages. There's Old Testament passages that make it appear as if that's true, but um, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything in the apostolic scriptures. They just kind of ignore that, and uh, it doesn't teach that in the apostolic scriptures. You can see a, uh, they would emphasize that it's a parable. But you can, if you take the, uh, what Jesus said literally in Luke 16, then that's... What about the, the rich man and the... And yeah. yeah, they have to spiritualize that, because if that's a literal underworld... They don't even have a cosmology. They don't even know what they're doing. Because my question was, like, remember when um, when Lazarus was dead for four days? Mm-hmm. Like, 
Where was he? You know what I mean? Like, this is a different Lazarus, the one in Luke 16. Okay. Uh, Lazarus, Lazarus was the poor, Lazarus was the poor man. I'm not sure if that that's why you brought that up. But there's a guy, in, the poor man in Luke 16 is called Lazarus. So there's two Lazarus there. Right, but the one that um Jesus resurrected after four days. Uh huh. Like what I'm trying to say is like, where was he? Was he like in paradise? Was he like in a sleep state? Because it'd be kind of weird, like say if he was like in paradise and then he had to be brought back. It'd be like, damn, you know, why did you bring me back if I was here? Paradise, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what, you know, what's the... Well, the, the Bible calls it Abraham's bosom. Okay. It's a holding place for souls, and uh, they have consciousness there, but they're not aware of anything on the surface unless they're informed. You know what I mean? But that, that place would be empty right now, right? No. When you know, wasn't that place like, didn't those spirits come out with Christ after he was resurrected? Well, there was a resurrection scene in the first century. Okay, now, no one can prove uh, this wrong. I'll explain why. So there's a resurrection in Matthew 27. It says the the tombs were opened. Right. Okay. It just leaves you hanging. It doesn't tell you anything. Okay? It doesn't tell you that they died of old age. It doesn't tell you that they went back into the ground. It doesn't tell you that they lived. We can assume that they're not still walking the earth, right? It doesn't tell you that. And it also doesn't tell you that they uh, died of old age. It also doesn't tell you that they were, um, you know, raptured later on. It doesn't tell you anything. Okay? Mm -hmm. So because it doesn't tell you anything, you cannot, no one can prove that those people did not go to Abraham's bosom. So if you can't do that, then you can't, you can't prove anything. Okay, so anyway, Christians believe that Jesus, um, they base this on a passage in, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, which says he led captivity captive. That's what it says in the King James. I'm just saying that because people are familiar with that terminology. They go, oh, that passage, okay? Right. This is this is the one single passage, with the exception of maybe Revelation seven, where it talks about the souls under the altar. But see, it doesn't okay. give you any information. You can't prove anything with that text because um, the context of the Bible does not explain the souls under the altar. There's things in the Book of Revelation; it just states them, but it, it doesn't explain them, and there's, it does, there's no explanation anywhere else. So you're just left okay. hanging. Okay. All right, talking about talking about Revelation, I was gonna ask another question. I think in Revelation twenty and the White Throne Judgment, uh-huh. where it says, you know, the sea gave up its dead, um, hell and um, Hades or whatever gave up its dead, and then you know, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, and whoever wasn't, whoever's name wasn't found in the Book of Life, you know, will be cast into the lake of fire. So my question is. Could some of those people right now or that are in hell or whatever, could they, ha- could they have a second chance if their name is written in the Book of Life? Well, Christmas would think this is some kind of heresy or something, but uh, there is a second chance, but only if you go to hell first. <laughs> some kind of second chance. No, it kind of seemed like, you know, after, like, death and Hades gave up, you know, it's dead or whatever, like, 
it seemed like mm-hmm. like if their names were written in the book of life, mm-hmm. if their names weren't written in the book of life, they'll be cast into the lake of fire. Yeah, but that only you has to do with, with, like, yeah, that only has to do with going to hell though. <clears throat> doesn't have to. <clears throat> excuse me. It doesn't have to do with the period after hell when they get out of hell. Right. It's not talking about that. This has to do with whether or not you're going to go to hell. Curses would assume it has to do with eternity. But uh, they're they're trying to use the word aeon, uh, which typically means a long period of time or an age. They're trying to use that to prove that hell is eternal. You can't do that with that word. You're going to have to use something else. And actually, there isn't anything else. There's just people misunderstanding the Bible. Uh, I've never met any of these Christians that... um, to talk about dissolution, you know, the end of the um, creation. In fact, they okay. haven't heard this before. So they're not able to refute that. It, they haven't even thought about it before. And so right exactly. Well, it doesn't like, I think, First Colossians, I think it is, well, he, where Christ will redeem all things unto himself. Is that what you're Basically, talking about? Basically, yeah. Well, it says reconcile, yeah. Reconcile well, exactly, exactly. Everything, reconcile. yeah. So yeah, that, like... that that's in the distant future. <clears throat> okay. And it doesn't talk about how all of that is accomplished. It doesn't talk about, let's take an example. Does it talk about how everyone will get out of hell at once, or do they get out of hell one by one? It doesn't say. Like a lot of things. Right. Yeah. But that, that's typically called the great white throne judgment there. And uh, that right. takes place at the end of this age. I believe that we're in this age. I believe it's a literal thousand years. And uh, and the next age will be uh, it'll be much superior uh, to this one. The next age you're talking about the millennials, though, right? No, that's what uh, pre-morning was called. That last podcast that's up there that I uploaded. It says Easter Day. Okay, I, I talked about that one yet. Okay, I talked about pre-millennial propaganda. I've talked about it once before. But generally, um, see, Christians, they're not really exposed to theology. Uh, right. They typically, they're typically only familiar with one view. Mm-hmm. And the only view they're familiar with is premillennialism, which I believe is absolutely false. And okay. uh, so that, that's where that comes from, that millennial period. It's only in the premillennial view. Um, there's, a, there's something similar in postmillennialism. But the problem is, is that um, in the post-millennial view, Christ doesn't come until the very end of the age. Uh, but there is kind of a, a period before that um, in, in that view. It's, it's somewhat similar to um, premillennialism, you know, where Christ okay. comes in the second coming and he rules on a throne for a thousand years. This is what the people believe, okay? Okay. But see, in amillennialism... Uh, it's totally different. They don't have an earthly millennium. And I said on the show, as far as a head count of the Christian church, that's the historical view of the church. It's not biblical. I used to be an amillennialist for uh, quite a few years, and then I became a post-millennialist for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> then I became what's called a bimillennialist. A bimillennialist? Yeah, okay. that, there's, that there's, there's two comings. Okay. And uh, let me see here. Because I, I know you. I don't that. hold to that view. I don't hold to that view anymore either. See, yeah. 
Yeah. So because because I know that you believe that um Christ came in the in the first century though, right? Yeah. I kind of take that view too because like what you were talking about how like there was like a a worldwide cataclysm, which kind of makes sense because they talk about it all the time like in the History Channel that there was like a worldwide cataclysm, and it does make sense. I mean, to a certain extent. I mean. Where do they place the cataclysm at? How far back in history? They're probably talking about around 11 or 10,500 BC. Probably. Do you remember what the date is for this cataclysm? I'm not really sure about that. Okay, I've never heard any kind of cataclysm on television, uh, you know, closer than that date. You know, like twelve thousand years ago, basically, or that's eleven thousand, twelve thousand years ago, something like that. <clears throat> because they always they always push the cataclysms way back in history. Like they'll talk about a cataclysm sixty-five million years ago with the dinosaurs, you know, when they destroyed. So they're right. pushing no, it so heard... far back that it's not a threat. It's not worried about that. Yeah, with him. But I've heard. Um, I think. I I know I've heard like in the on the History Channel, which I know it's all like propaganda, or whatever. But like I've heard of like a cataclysm, which a lot earlier than like sixty-five million years ago or whatever. Yeah. Like a recent ice age or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like probably like three thousand years ago, four thousand, whatever. Um, I heard. Let me see who else. I think even the Greek talked about it as well. Well, he may be onto something there. I, you know. Like a first century, like, cataclysm. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I'd have to hear that myself. But uh, they talk about a little ice. They talk about a little ice age uh, in the 13th century. That's part of, you know, you can read that in a history book. They say there was a little ice age in the 13th century. That's the closest okay. I've ever seen to anything like that. Mm. Okay. I, I'd have to look it up, but I, I, I think that they probably teach that it was kind of gradual. I don't think there was, mm-hmm. they teach there's some kind of a shift. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, see those, um, what are they, mastodons or something like that up there in Siberia, and they were frozen instantly. They still have food in their mouth. Right, right. Yeah. I believe that happened in the first century because there was a shift there. See, there was a shift. It talks about the shift in Isaiah 24. It says that the okay. earth... Um, was like a drunkard. Oh, right there. Okay. It's swaying around. It's moving. Mm-hmm. And so um, when that shift occurred, I think that the, the, the oceans rushed across the continents. It's like a big wave, and then they withdrew. Okay. And that's what, that's what created, in America, that's what created the, uh, the Great Canyon. Mm. And uh, so, I mean, there was like an instant ice, Okay. And I don't okay. believe that there were, I don't believe there was ice before. I don't believe there was any ice in the Antarctica. I don't believe there was any ice in the Arctic Circle. There had never been any ice like that. And right. and there weren't I don't there's no evidence of glaciers either. See the glaciers, this is very, very important. They're just kind of um sitting there with a little grin on their face, the controllers, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna help you. Okay. Uh, the reason is because there's a big conspiracy about global warming and stuff like that. That's a little bit complex. Right, okay, right. But, but see, here's the thing. 
It's just use basic common sense. All the glaciers are melting. They're getting smaller. So how long has this been going on? You can't push the glaciers back too far in history because they're all melting. And I believe the glaciers were formed in the first century, and they've been melting for about a thousand years gradually. Okay, that there's no way you can put make them like four thousand years old, something like that, because um, it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the little secret, which they'll never tell you on television about global warming, is global warming is, is true to a certain degree. Because um, it's different uh, close to the uh, coastal areas, okay? But away from the coastal areas, um, global warming is, is, is no rea- it doesn't have any reality to it. It's bogus. It's a true to a certain degree around the coastal well, areas. The reason is because there's underwater volcanism, okay, and that, that heats up the water. So that, that's, that's, the, uh, that's what's behind the warming. There is a warming. But it's underwater volcanism, and they won't even tell you that because they don't want you to know. They want you to think it's universal, that everything is warming up. And it's not true. It's a lie. So it's mostly, fa- it's mostly false, okay, but it's true to a certain extent. And all you ever get is the either or. Is, is global warming real or is it not? See, they have no middle position. Same old thing. They, they cover that up. Mm-hmm. In my view, both the people that say that it's, not true, and the people that say it is true are both wrong, but the people that say that it's not true, they're mostly correct, but not entirely. I mean, I wouldn't say it's correct view, but it's, it's, it's most, I mean, it's more correct, put that way, you know, so anyway, yeah. Right, right. You know what, yeah, so, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I just want to go back to the, uh, the souls, okay? So that, that's a Jehovah's Witness Seventh-day Adventist doctrine. And uh, down through the history of the down through the history of the church, it's been relatively uncommon for influential Christian leaders to hold to that view. It was never really popular, I think, until the 19th century. But what you can do, you can go to Wikipedia, okay. and I think just put soul sleep. They should have an okay. article on that there, and you can look at it. And when you look at the passages in the Old Testament, it, it looks pretty impressive. Okay. Uh, but you run into problems trying to find uh, anything in the uh, apostolic scriptures, you know, the New Testament, you're going to call it. Right. I try to avoid that because um, because what New Testament means is new covenant. I don't believe in the right. new covenant. I hold to the same view as Judaism. I mean, I believe in it, but it's future. Okay. And uh, so. Yeah, because I know like, in, the, in the book of Ecclesiastics, we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, like, when the body dies, you know, it goes to the, to the ground, to the earth, and then yet the spirit returns to God who gave it. Yeah. That's not compatible with their view. Because what you have there, well, actually, you can't disprove that the spirit is not conscience. They're all focused on the soul. They don't talk about the spirit. But well, what about that passage? Can they prove that that spirit doesn't have consciousness? Well, guess what? There's precisely nothing in the Bible to utilize to prove that that spirit that returns to God is not conscience. So even if the soul, even if the soul was in a state of non-consciousness, they need to be able to prove that the spirit is not, because they don't understand something, okay? It's called uh, division of consciousness. You don't hear about this. There's no Christian doctrine, because I guess they're not smart enough, 
Okay, I don't know what else to say, or it's being suppressed, okay? So I've talked about it before. There's a division of consciousness according to the book of Ezekiel. Because in the book of Ezekiel, it tells you that the soul descends, and they ignore that. They ignore it. It talks about the soul descending in the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like the soul of an animal as well. There's some people that say that animals don't have souls. Well, they must not be reading that book very, very carefully. Okay, so when you die, your soul descends, according to the book of Ecclesiastes, and your okay. spirit, your spirit ascends. At least now the Bible doesn't tell us whether these spirits in Ecclesiastes 12:7 doesn't tell us whether they're reprobate or uh, whether they're reprobate. Uh, they could be elect and reprobate, or they could just be elect. It doesn't tell us that. So we don't know about the reprobate souls. You could theorize that they don't ascend, that they go, uh, that they, they go down to Tartarus because um, Tartarus is, a, is like a... Yeah, a dark, uh, like, deep, you know, place or something like that. Yeah, it's a section of Hades, just like Abraham's bosom. There's different sections down there. It talks Isn't about that where, like, the fallen angels are at right now, like Tartarus? Actually, yeah, and that's that's a Greek term, just like Hades. It's 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 used by the Greeks. And the the right. Greeks said that that the um, uh, the giants, uh, the Titans, were in Tartarus. Tartarus, Tartarus yeah. I mean, they they believed in this Tartarus. You see, <clears throat> that's kind of funny because the Christians have wandered away from it. Um, not because they believe in soul sleep, but they just don't believe in a literal underworld. So they stole right. that away. See, the, the Roman church, well, actually the church, period, they they pretty much always believed in a literal underworld, just like the um, everybody else all through history. You know what okay. I mean? You, so, you, so they never had a problem with that, just like they were, um, they didn't believe in a spherical earth either, you know? Right. Yeah. You heard about what the Greek talked about, like, about, about the difference between the soul and the spirit. You heard about that one, right? Um, I'm not sure if I did. I mean, if I did, I forgot it, so. The Greek, actually, the Greek said that the difference between the soul and the spirit uh-huh. is that the soul is your breath, and then your spirit is what, you know, animates the body. So, like, he said that that's what's the difference between them both. That well, actually... I would disagree with that because your spirit is the breath of God, not the soul, but your spirit. Okay? That all spirit is, is, is the breath of God. Right? Where, where God breathed into the nostrils of man, he became a living soul, right? Right. <clears throat> well, I mean, everything... Here's the thing, okay? Um, see, what you need to do is you need to look up the word spirit, and then you'll see that it means breath, but soul doesn't. So he's trying to base that on that passage. I don't have a problem with that passage because I teach. What do I teach? I teach that everything is the breath of God because I'm an emanationist, okay? Okay. But now I'm distinguishing between spirit and soul, and spirit is um, uh, qualitatively um, identified with the breath of God in a way that the soul is not. The, the, the soul is inferior to the spirit. Okay, that's really important. Mm-hmm. They're not the same, you know, and the soul is not superior. Now, the soul is, is um, 
Now, Christians would disagree with me on this, but it's they believe it's um it's in, immortal, but they think that the earth is eternal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's why they believe that. But that once you realize that the the creation will eventually come to an end, and we go back to a superior realm, something superior to heaven, the heavens created too, then you can see that the soul is not eternal, but um, the spirit is. It's a, it's has to do with eternity past and also has to do with eternity future. Now, the soul only has to do with the body. So once the body is dissolved eventually, then the soul will be dissolved with it. And you're also, uh, and the soul is really important because you, if, if the soul leaves the body, you're dead. But the spirit can function independently of the body. Yeah, okay? that's what you were saying, that like, like say if someone dies, you can like resuscitate them if you just breathe, you know, like, you know, mouth to mouth. So like that's what he was talking about. Just, yeah, he's trying to emphasize the breath there, but I would I don't I don't agree with that. No, you don't. Okay. All right. But the soul the soul animates the body. Okay. The soul. Oh, the soul. Okay, because he says mm-hmm. that the spirit animates the body, and the soul is just what what just keeps you breathing, and and it's part of your um, metabolism or whatever. Okay, yeah. That's why he would say that, um, you know, when you die, you you can understand why he would say, see, his view of the soul at death, yeah. That would be consistent with with that view. That's the Seventh-day Adventist view. Here's the thing. um, The the Jehovah's Witnesses, they got that from the Seventh-day Adventists. That's where they got that view because um, the founder of that movement, his name was... uh, Pastor Russell, Charles Russell. Um, right. His primary influence when he was younger was the Seventh-day Adventists. In fact, he actually um, held to their view of Bible prophecy. And he mm-hmm. he went so far as to believe that Christ was going to return in 1874. Does that sound strange wow. to you? And then when <laughs> Christ didn't show up, ah, then they said that, oh, it was invisible. What's well, kind of sound? He came invisibly, okay? Uh, which sounds kind of funny, but um, they did the same thing in 1914. They expected Christ to show up. Now, this is not the Adventists. This is the Watchtower. Well, they called yeah, them Bible. They call well. They called them Bible students back then during World War One. Okay. And uh, he took that uh, concept and he said that Christ was going to return in 1914, and then uh, it failed, of course. And then he did the same thing as the Adventists, and he said it happened uh, invisibly. And also the date was changed. Well, they played around with the date. They moved it to 1915. At one, okay. I know that because I, I got a, I had a Bible from World War One. It was a Jehovah's Witness Bible. I lost it when I moved wow. out of that house. Um, if I would have been able to move properly without doing it in a hurry, I, I would have got everything out of the house, but that's one of the things that left behind. But I, I know for a fact that they used to, you can Google it. Uh, it was moved to 1915. Okay. And uh, today the view is that um, he did come in 1914, but um, it was invisible. Now, so Jehovah's Witnesses teach today that there's no future second advent. They actually teach that happened in 1914 and Christ came invisibly. Isn't that something? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it is pretty crazy. 
You know what that is? It's an absolute refusal to admit that you were wrong. Not once, but twice. You know, you're wrong and say, oh, it's invisible. But nobody was talking about invisible before that. And uh, just, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, didn't they believe as well that that Satan fell from heaven like in 1914 as well or whatever? Because I remember a Jehovah Witness telling me that, like, oh, Satan fell in this, uh, this year. And if you notice that that's when World War One started happening and World War Two, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I'd have to look like, that up. They have a lot of strange teachings. Uh, yeah, that might be true. I can't remember that. Um, I yeah, would have I known that at one time. But, uh, yeah, that like Satan fell from heaven, like, in, like, 19-whatever, like, the same year as World War Two. I think. I mean, World War One, which is, what, like, 1914, 1915, or something like that around there. Uh-huh. And that's supposedly like their theory or whatever. I remember some guy telling me that years ago. Okay, I'm looking it up right now. See if I can find it. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah, so um, what you do, you go to a holding place um, when you die um, to await the resurrection. Right. So the Christians cannot prove that uh, nobody is down there uh, or they've already been down there because they can't, they don't have enough information about the resurrection in Matthew 27. It only mentions it once. They don't know anything about what happened. So it's all an assumption okay. and, and their belief, this is what they believe, okay? They believe based on this passage in uh, in Ephesians, that uh, to be absent of the body to be to be present with Christ, is that one? Uh, they would utilize that, but it's talking to Jesus. Well, first of all, they, Seventh-day Adventists and Christians, they both ignore uh, when Jesus said that he would go, the Son of Man will go into the heart of the earth. They ignore that because, right. see, they don't have a literal underworld anymore. The local churchgoers, only a few okay. of them. They don't, they haven't even heard of this, you see? So right. they're just confused. They don't believe in the literal underworld. That's an ancient view. See, so, um, I'm looking at this passage here to see if I can find it. <clears throat> Okay. I thought it was in Ephesians four. I'm not. I uh, had to look around. I don't see it here. I thought it would just pop out there, but um, yeah, it says they're actually quoting out of the Psalms. I believe it says, um, "When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men." Okay, so there's what they're saying. This is what the Christian Church believes. Not Seventh Day Adventists, okay, but um, you know the Old Testament saints were in Abraham's bosom, right? Mm-hmm. So when Christ uh, descended into the earth, um, he brought them back with him to heaven. Okay, they have one verse to prove this, and it's not even talking about that. And this is this okay. is see this is a verse that is not clear to anyone. I'm going to tell you right now, that verse, this is, 
is not self-explanatory. I don't think anybody knows exactly what it means. Because it, verse does, it doesn't explain itself. There's a lot of verses like this in the Bible. You would see, Christians believe that God gave you gave us clear revelation. Well, right there, you can see that it's not. They think it's clear, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not. Because you don't have clarity there. It's um, actually kind of um, obscure, okay. the language there. Um, that's what their belief was based on, is basically that one passage. Could, could you read that again, if you don't mind? It says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now, look what it okay. says right, right after that. It says, what does, quote, unquote, he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Okay. We're kind of divided in Christianity today. Some believe that he descended and some don't. Okay. Uh, well, uh, there's a considerable number of Christians who don't have a problem with that, but there's also, also other Christians who, see, they don't believe in a liberal underworld, so if you don't believe that, you're not going to have this concept in your mind. You see? Right. So anyway, this is the reason why Christians believe that when they die, they go to heaven. They're basing on this one passage. Uh, anything beyond that, would, about all you'd have would be uh, Revelation 7, where it says that it talks about the souls under the altar. But it doesn't give you any context. It doesn't give you any information. It just says there's souls under the altar. It doesn't explain anything. First of all, what he's seen is a vision. It's not to be taken literally. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, first of all, all of John's. Um, no, what he sees is, is it's always a vision, but that doesn't mean that you spiritualize it. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty complex, man. <laughs> uh huh. But that's why they believe that they now. So that, but they believe that when you a Christian dies now, everyone goes to heaven. That's, you know. Or goes to hell. Yeah, okay, that's wrong also. Well, some of them believe that. There's a lot of Christians who believe that because they're not taught properly. But uh, the Bible doesn't teach that. They're going to hell, okay? Right. The Bible teaches that you go to a holding place in the underworld. Then you await the the resurrection. Everyone is resurrected. doesn't matter whether you're righteous or wicked. And you get a body. Okay, and um, then you have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, okay. and uh, that happened already, and then there's another judgment coming in the future. But the judgment seat so of Christ—that's those are for 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 the that was, people, right? That was in the first. Yeah, that was. Um, no, the Bible doesn't make it um, clear who is there. There's different views. Um, one view is it has to do with the elect and reprobate, uh, has to do with the Hebrews or people that converted to the faith. Okay. Uh, another view is that um, it also has to do with um, pagans that were involved with Israel historically. In other words, not somebody that's living in South America. 
Right. Uh, but, you know, like, say, people that persecuted them. Now, there's reasons to believe this. It talks about um, the Queen of Sheba being there. And you can't prove that she's elect. You know what I mean? Right. Um, she was pretty distanced, distanced pretty removed uh, from there uh, geographically, although uh, I think it's more likely that her kingdom, you know, Sheba was actually located in Saudi Arabia, the Arabian Peninsula, right, and right. not Ethiopia. And Ethiopia was actually farther north. It was directly under uh, Egypt. Okay. And they were not um, Negroid in appearance. This is a different Ethiopia to them. I mean, this is like a huge subject. They would. Um, Sorry to cut you off. Um, do you believe that there's three different bloodlines in the earth? Well, there's a whole bunch of bloodlines. Um, uh, you could say that. You could say that there are. See, the Canaanites are Adamites. They came from Adam, right? Okay. A lot of people don't understand that they're descended from Adam. I mean, actually, most Christians do, but there's other people who are confused. Well, there's a lot of internet Christians. Because, because I, I think I remember hearing you show that not everybody is descended from Adam, though. Yeah. Okay. So you got um, you got Adamites who are uh, Sethites. They're descended from Seth. Yeah. Then you have Adamites okay. who are, are Cainites. They're descended from Cain. Okay. Then okay. you have other, uh, what do we call them? Humans, men, whatever the heck. Neither of those terms are 100% accurate because those terms have to do, human is not a biblical term, but it's obviously based on the word man. But the okay. word man, okay, and there's different words for the word man in Hebrew. Okay. But unfortunately, in our inaccurate Bibles, they're, they're translated typically as man. Well, they mean different things in the Hebrew. One way to deal with this is just don't even translate it. That way, at least it gives people the opportunity to see that these are different words that have been traditionally been translated man. But anyway, there's a third group, at least, if not more. But the third group is non-atomites. There's, there's, non-atom, there's non-atomites, okay? Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. That's the way, if God wants to do that, that's, that's what he can do. And they can get saved. Okay? And right. So, you know, like I talked about, the Asian people are, as far as like a group, they're not specifically in the Bible. Now, some people would say that they are. Okay? For instance, say, Dave, haven't you heard about the kings of the East? You cannot use the Bible to prove that the kings of the East are China. In order to do that, you're going to have to use your Bible to prove that it is not a spiritual army. Um, we've been influenced by modernist, sensational interpretation, which basically comes from the Schofield Reference Bible. Mm-hmm. And you can see that with Hal Lindsey, where you know, all this wild speculation about how these, um, these locusts are like cobra helicopters. That kind of interpretation is completely laughable. You'd be amazed how many people believe this kind of garbage for the last several decades. Right, right, yeah, I know. Okay, I'm just saying right now, you cannot prove, nobody can prove what the locusts are. Well, I just get through saying, I said there's passages in the book of Revelation, they don't tell you, they don't explain it, they just state it. The Bible right. does not tell you what these locusts are. And I, I think the locusts are demons. Okay. And I'll be the first to tell you, I can't prove it, and nobody can disprove it. Okay, so the same thing with this army. 
this is why it's so large. So for years, uh, Hal Lindsey, he's probably still saying the same thing. He's saying, well, this is proof that it's China, because he said that they were able to field an army of 200 million. Hundred, uh, million. Right. Okay, now, I told Chuck this week, last week, that the number one passage in the Bible uh, between Revelation 6 and Revelation 19, that section in there was fulfilled entirely in, in the first century. And by the way, by the way, there's no way to prove that wrong. Because that's what, that's what the, that, it actually says this, you see. Just look at the first verse. I've read it to you before. You've heard me read that, right? <clears throat> yeah, it says, the, these, what, you know, if the book, see, before I said there's things in the book of Revelation, they're not explained. Well, but it does tell you when these things are going to happen. It says, um, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Is, is that clear? Is that clear or is that not clear? Yeah, I read it. Yeah. And then it um in verse let me see here, verse um Oh behold I come quickly. Verse four. Oh no, ver, at the end of verse three. Okay. Uh it says, Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Okay. And then Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. Exactly, so Christians yeah. say, um, oh, that all has to do with imminency, and there's ongoing imminency. Ongoing imminency is a logical fallacy. There's no such thing as that. What does the word imminent mean? How can you have ongoing imminency? It's completely absurd. Well, they say, oh, they always have a simple explanation. Oh, God has a different sense of time than we do. And they always do the same thing, like little robots, and they go to quote that passage in 2 Peter 3. Okay, now what does that prove? You know what that proves? It proves that they're ignorant. Now, here's the reason why. That's t- there's, there's two different types of imminency, just real basic. There's God's sense of time. God's perception of time. And there's man's perception of time. Now, stop and think about it. Do you think those would be the same? Of course not. Okay? And uh, so what is that verse talking about in Second Peter 3? Is that talking about man's perception of time or God's perception of time? It actually tells you, doesn't it? It tells you that's God's perception of time. But see, these people apply it to our perception of time. It's not talking about our perception of time. It's talking about God's. So what, is that passage useful for how they apply it? No. They're misapplying it. They're twisting the text, but they don't realize this. And they, they, they refer to that passage over and over, and when you, when you see people doing that, you have to understand this person's ignorant. He's not educated, okay? Because they're misapplying the text. I just exposed that. Okay. See, these are the things that I was able to figure out years ago by all the study. And actually, one of the reasons why I'm delaying the, uh, the Bible studies, because that's what I'm doing, is because I'm very idealistic, and um, I just kind of want to wait as much as possible. Because, see, I'm trying to follow God's leading. <laughs> okay. he, he's not told me to do a Bible study. Okay? Right. Yeah, the only thing he's done so far is tell me to... Um, Start making the, po- the the podcast more positive so you can give the people hope because um, 
I think their hopes are going to be crushed here pretty soon. And we don't need to run around telling them, you know, what's wrong with the world. You know, just listen to the older podcasts. You know, we did enough of that. But um, right. you can get depressed thinking about this world, that's for sure. So I just want to re- I just want to repeat that real quick. Um, you know, back to that passage that I read in Ephesians 4, can you see how the Christians don't pay attention to the next verse? It says that he descended. You know what I mean? Right. I'm talking about the ones who deny that he descended into an underworld. It says it right there. So. Right, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, Christians are kind of split on that subject. I don't want you to think that they all don't believe that. You know, the physical underworld. Some have mm-hmm. a problem with it and some don't. So, yeah. Big, can I call you back in a little while? Or... Uh, I'll probably, I think I uh, need to go. You need to do something? Yeah, I gotta, uh, I gotta go take a shower and eat something. Um, we should probably do it another day. I gotta, I gotta do some stuff. I could keep talking if you want to now, but I should probably do something. So, we can uh, talk another time this week. All right, cool. I'll, I'll let, I'll let Mike know then. Okay. Whenever yeah, you, yeah whenever we can probably want. get him on there again. But what yeah. uh, what he needs to do is uh, start studying uh, the Word of Faith movement. He's unfamiliar with their doctrine it, because uh, once you familiarize yourself with the doctrine, the first thing you do is get get the heck out of there and don't listen to any of these false teachers. Just uh, joke, uh, Prince. Um, I just said of the show. I said every. I was about America. I think he's over in Malaysia. Is that where he's at? Joseph Prince. Yeah, he's in Singapore okay. actually. Okay, but I said on the show that you know in America. Uh, I would say the same thing. Um, every megachurch is, uh, is uh, the pastor's a Satanist. Okay? Well, yeah. That's what I teach. Okay? Um, that's what I believe. You, you, because, see, they create the megachurches from the ground up. Then they install a man. Those, those churches are all built by Illuminati. I know I'm perfectly aware that they have stories about there about how all these churches began. Oh, they began from a small little house church. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm not saying that didn't happen. That doesn't mean that the guy's not a Satanist. Right. A lot of times they do that on purpose, just give them a humble beginning. Or mm-hmm. they will distort the truth. It may be partly true, but they're trying to, oh, he just came from a humble beginning. You know, it's just a natural thing. You know, that doesn't right. mean he's not an agent, that he was just following the script. You know, mm-hmm. I think I've talked about before. I think I got this story about um, George Bush Sr. He came down to Texas in a broken down station wagon, barely made it. You see, they create these stories for ignorant people. Okay. If you knew anything about the Bush family at all, you go, that's completely ridiculous. They're they're rich. Multi, exactly. Yep. Oh, if you knew, if you knew one thing, you see, this is these people are arrogant. Because they said, you're so stupid that we're not even going to create a good story for you because you're, you're so dumb that we don't have to. Okay, so exactly. if, you, if you do anything about Prescott Bush, George Bush mm-hmm. Sr.'s father, yeah, look, then you would exactly. find that story laughable. Because well, he was a big say, oil man, and he uh, had so much money. That, I mean, you, they, got, they got books on this. There's no way you can prove it wrong. There's too much evidence that he was funding Hitler's army, Prescott Bush. So how is his son supposed to be so poverty-stricken? It's completely absurd. Yeah. These kind of stories, and they they make these stories up every day, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, they give these people – sometimes they want to give them humble origins. Um, sometimes it's true, but a lot of times it's manufactured. It, it can be either right. or. Yeah, so <clears throat> they've done a lot, and uh, it's been going on for a long time. Lots of tricks for Christians. As long as these Christians are not going to do research and not mm-hmm. be suspicious, they're going to keep on fooling them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Until they get smart. And uh, <laughs> I don't think they get smart until um, the prophet comes. That, that appears to be God's sign, uh, plan. Mm-hmm. But the prophet's going to educate them. They say, I, I say right now that um, even the uh, the remnant is asleep. So how are they going to wake up? Well, they have to. He's going to wake them up. You know what I mean? But right. most of the people will stay asleep. Some people will wake up and then fall back asleep. You always have that. Remember, there's a lot of people that um, accepted Jesus and they rejected him later. Okay. So there'll be there will be people who fall away when there's pressure applied to them. Mm-hmm. And they'll they'll go with the world and conform. That's what people usually do, by the way. Right. I see Chuck is in here. You there, Chuck? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, Chuck? Hey, howdy, good. Hi, Chuck, how are you? Yeah, great, thanks. I recorded this. I'm sorry? I recorded this, but not all of it. Uh, that's cool. It'll be a short podcast. So. <clears throat> Let's check Dave, I'm going to let you go then. Okay, man. Uh, I'll see you guys. I'll talk to you guys later. I mean, yeah, I'll call you this week. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. Take it easy. Bye, okay. Bye. I did. Anything you want to say, Chuck? Uh, no, just uh, sitting back, relaxing today. Easter Sunday, I believe it is, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I just realized I did another yeah. podcast on Easter. Yeah, because that one I I put up there, that was from last Easter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, not much going on. just relaxing and talking to people on the Internet and did everything to get my nap in for the day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are we recording still? Yeah. Oh, okay. No problem. You want to talk to me in person? No, it doesn't matter. You know. Okay. Just uh, either or. It's always it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Dave. You know. Mm-hmm. I see there's a couple guests in the in the uh, chat room, and we're going to close this down. But if you want to ask me a question about something, go ahead. What's the topic? There's no topic. A guy just called me, and uh, I was asking some of re- replying to some of his questions, and then he just left. So if you have a question, I can help you out with that. But otherwise, we'll shut the room down. <clears throat> Dave, you were talking about um, um, this 200 million man army. I walked away from yeah. it. I hear what you're elaborating on it. Uh, you were saying that that was already uh, fulfilled back in Revelations. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. All right. Well, we actually talked about that this week. I know we did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I actually said that we did. <laughs> actually said that we did. Yeah. You think I'm boring, I guess, for, huh? I've never heard anyone say that I'm boring. I'm probably the least boring person, period, but you probably think that's an egocentric statement. So, But you're just not familiar with the show. If you just look at the the titles to the podcast, um, unless I have a boring voice, I mean, I could vary from person to person. I'm definitely not boring. So, 
I'm a deep conspiracist. Oh, at this moment? Okay. Are you a Christian, guess for? Because, you know, if you're not a Christian, oh, yeah, it's all very boring. Yeah, I understand. Actually, I understand that. You know. Everything about Christianity is boring. My, uh, what's, your question? what's your question there? Are you a Christian? Yes, for Go ahead, Chuck. Um, my wife's got a few friends over today, and uh, one of her girlfriend's husbands was here and uh, told him I had to go check a podcast out, and he was kind of listening to it a little bit, and he goes, you guys make money off of that? And uh, I said, well, no. <laughs> you know, I said, we just try to get information out. And... Uh, um, he goes, he started discussing about all these guys make money out there and stuff. And then he kind of asked what the podcast is about. And I said, well, our, uh, he goes, is it interesting? Will it get, you know, gathers people attention? And I said, well, it's kind of a, kind of a conspiracy theology program. You know, I said, uh, we deconstruct our Christianity and a lot of religions around the nation. I said, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. It's a lot full of knowledge, you know? And, uh, he didn't have a comeback. He didn't really understand that statement. So, Anyway, I uh, guess for his ass said if he died Friday, then Rome's the third day, isn't that Monday? Yeah, it would be Monday, but he didn't die on Friday. That was a deception. Um, <clears throat> Christianity is a false religion, and all religions are false. There's no true religions. You can I can prove that Christianity is a false religion in about 10 seconds, and no one will ever be able to refute it. So that's not hard. Anyway, that's a belief that's inherited from the Roman Catholic Church, the whole thing about Good Friday. Okay. We can talk about this a little bit because um, we were already talking about this week. Uh, I think it was, uh, I think maybe Otto or somebody. Why do they call it Good Friday? Because uh, that's what Satanists do. Okay. We don't, we don't, we don't have the power to do anything. We don't create Christian calendars, okay? Why don't we create Christian calendar? Well, first of all, it's not Christian. It has nothing to do with the Bible whatsoever, okay? But that's what we call it. In the Western Church and the Eastern Church, they have a what they call a Christian calendar, okay? Nothing to do with the Bible, okay? But um, where did we get that? Roman Catholic Church, okay? Well, they're not even remotely Christian. They never were. Okay, so um, the whole—it's a system. It's an institutional system. The institutional system didn't come from God. There was an institutional system that came from God, and it was um, essential element of what we call Judaism, loosely. But God destroyed it. It was prophecy after prophecy. There was warning that God was going to do this. I'm talking about a temple-based religion. Okay. Well, it destroyed it. It's a historical fact. The temple was destroyed, most people believe, around 70 A.D. Okay, but God did not replace it with another institutional system. You can't even, there's not even a single passage in the Bible where God says, build a church building. There's not even a single passage in the Bible where it talks about God said to build a synagogue. There's nothing. It's a man-made system. And this man-made system is prophesied in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. It's talking about Roman Catholicism. And um, that was a theocratic system back then. 
where you have God at the at the head, and then under him you have a Davidic king, and you have a hierarchy under the Davidic king. That's all gone, right? And did God replace it with anything? No. We've been under judgment ever since. Christians don't, they're not familiar with that concept. They don't think they're under judgment. Okay, so um, God is going to, um, to build an institutional system. Prophesize it in the Bible. You'll see it in Jeremiah 31, if you interpret it, you know, literally. But the Bible teaches that God's people are pilgrims, and they're in what's called the diaspora, the dispersion. If you want to learn about that, you can go to Ezekiel 34, describes it in great detail through much of the uh, chapter there. Okay, so anyway, you know, because you're going, well, this is, this is Christianity, and Christianity is supposed to be guided by God. Well, the Bible teaches the opposite. Um, the Bible prophesies a corrupt religion uh, where everything is wrong. That, that's shocking, isn't it? Okay, the Bible prophesies a corrupt religion where everything is wrong, and that is Christianity. Now, how are you going to be able to pull that out of the hat? Well, it's right in the Bible. You go to Matthew 17, 11. Can't prove this wrong, okay? Because there's nothing in, in Scripture, okay? So um, <clears throat> this, this is the opinion of Jesus, and they were coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and the uh, disciples said, why did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus acknowledged that. He said, Elijah will come and restore everything. Okay, Christians have been deceived, as usual. And they believe that this Elijah was John the Baptist. Now, I could talk about this for a while. I don't want to bore the audience because um, I've done it a number of times, okay? But it can't be fulfilled to John the Baptist because John the Baptist was dead when Jesus spoke those words. And you cannot use the Bible to prove that um, John's going to be fulfilling that passage, okay? So John was an Elijah, but he's a different Elijah that fulfilled those passages in a non-literal manner. He fulfilled the prophecy about John in actually Luke chapter 1, okay? But Jesus said in Matthew 11, he is the Elijah who was to come. So there's a double fulfillment of Malachi 4, 5, 5 when it talks about, um, Behold, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. That was fulfilled by John, but it has a double fulfillment based on Scripture. Okay, so back to the text. It says, um, Elijah will come and restore everything. And I was just pointing out to Eddie that can be translated uh, as reform. Okay? What Jesus is doing there is telling you that everything's corrupted. Now stop and think. Did he leave anything out? Elijah will come and restore what? Everything. Or sometimes it will say all things. Now, it can be translated reform. So that tells you that at the very least, everything, according to Jesus, not my opinion, at the very least, it has been tainted. Now, this is a corrupt religion. And this is the religion that we're in. See, the Bible teaches what's called restorationism. Christians don't hold to that view. Typically, there's many groups that are restorationists, but they're typically sectarian. For instance, the Church of Christ is sectarian. Okay? 
The reason I say sectarian is because these restorationist groups, including Pentecostalism, they believe that they restored the truth. There was no truth until they came along. Now, if Pentecostals is primarily the sign gifts and things like that. Um, but with these other groups, um, they actually teach, like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witness, the Adventists are the same, that um, the, the theological truth was corrupted and restored by them. And the only people that believe that are people that belong to those groups. So that's why they're sectarian. In other words, if you don't belong to that group, you don't believe these things. The only people that believe them are people that center that particular teaching. It's, it's ego-driven because you're going to believe that you're superior because we're the ones that restored it. These are ego-driven religions because they're going to, if you don't think this has to do with Pentecostalism, you need to get around some Pentecostals. Now, see, most of the time, people get around Pentecostals and Pentecostals. You know, Pentecostals don't hang out with like Calvin as much, right? But we're talking about people, most of them are very simple-minded, who believe they're superior to you because they have the power of God, and you don't. And some of them will even tell you that. They're kind of arrogant, and they're not very spiritual. I've been around, the, this is, I know what I'm talking about because I went to a Pentecostal church for a number of years, okay? I've actually been around Pentecostals the most. So I think I know something about what they're like. Now, the reason they, that they believe that they have the power of God and you don't is because they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you haven't. And don't be fooled by these people. doesn't matter if they come out and tell you they do believe that they're superior to you. All right? There you go. I'm calling them out. This is a problem. And this problem needs to be addressed within Pentecostalism. I've never seen it properly addressed. Because the pastors don't identify the problem. And the reason they don't, they have the same mindset. Okay, so anyway, back to our, uh, our Good Friday, okay? I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But Jesus was crucified on a Wednesday. Now, I'm not going to go into a big thing. Um, if you want to read the details, just go to Google and put Wednesday. Jesus, crucifixion, why is this true? Stop and think about it. What would be the most likely day for Jesus to be resurrected in the week? What do you think, Chuck? There's seven days in a week. What would be the most likely? What do you think God would do? Um, I don't know, the first day of the week? Well, in the Jewish mind, the days of the week were not equal, were they? Oh. There was oh. a day that was superior to all others. Seven. Right. The Sabbath, okay? Jesus was raised on the Sabbath, all right? And by the way, in the book of Revelation, where John says that I was caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, what is the Lord's Day? It's the Sabbath. The Sabbath, yeah. Christians believe he's talking about. You know, some, some Christians are Sabbatarians, okay? They believe in the Sabbath. They're supposed to keep the Sabbath, like Seventh-day Adventists. So they're going to twist that text the non-sabbatarians will, and believe that has to do with Sunday. Okay? Um, and, and that's Roman Catholic teaching, by the way. Okay? So, I'll talk about this just for a little bit. I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not looking at the chat room here. Let me get through this. Right? Okay? So, anyway, 
Why would they call it Good Friday? Now, they're claiming that he died. I'll tell you why. For the same reason that they put out the Passion film by Mel Gibson. That is among the most satanic films that you'll ever see, but you have to have knowledge to see it. Otherwise, you'll see nothing, and you'll be, oh, this is so wonderful. And how many pastors were deceived in America? They had this huge promotional thing to get the churches to go out to see this film. And they also began promoting it uh, at least a year ahead of time, if not a year and a half, because uh, you would hear these stories about how the film was being, uh, you know, produced. And then you would hear these stories about like these, like these little signs and wonders would happen or these controversies. Okay. That was all deliberate uh, because they, this is a very important film and, and Illuminati wanted all the Christians to come and see it. So what do they do if they want you to come and see a film? They create controversy. Controversy. And you hear the controversy, and it raises interest, and, oh, i got to go see that. You see that? Anytime there's kind of, any kind of controversy, uh, does that motivate people or demotivate it? Okay? People are immersed in trivia. They love controversy. That's just a form of trivia. So they basically psyoped them all, and the pastors helped you know, bring their – I mean, they used to come to the churches like – they would come – a church would come, Chuck. You know what I mean? Right, right. If they could fit, if they could fit them in there, they, they'd have like 30 people out of a church or even more. They would also have um, – on a sense then, they've had you know, private viewings and stuff like that. Um, I think you might want to Google it because I think sometimes churches may have had somehow rent theaters or something like that. I had, I'm not sure. I think I might have heard something like that. Okay. Why am I talking about this? Because there's deceptions everywhere. Because Satan runs the show. He runs the institutional church. And um, <clears throat> I just want to say it real quick. I said that Christianity is a false religion because it doesn't measure up to a biblical standard. It's actually heretical. Okay. But it's the best thing we have. So, and I actually recommend that people go to church. Uh, you, you can get saved in this religion, even though it's corrupt. And uh, they have the Bible, and they have Christ. You know, Judaism doesn't have Christ. And you can't get saved through Judaism because you cannot sidestep Christ. You have to go through him. Okay? So, um, Christianity, here's the way, easy way to understand it, because you don't hear this ever. This concept that I just said, it's either true religion or false religion. And all the Christians say that Christianity is a true religion. Okay? You ever heard a Christian say that Christian, Christianity is a false religion? Okay. Never. No. Never, ever. no, 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 no. Okay, now, um, you will hear very rarely an enlightened Christian say that Christianity is corrupt. Well, actually... You know, but not false. But see, if it's corrupt, it is false. So let me explain this so everyone can understand. I've done this before. There's an easy way to, to understand this novel concept that we've never heard before because there's no prophetic voice. Look, at any prophet that God ever sent, if God sent any of those prophets to us, what do you think that he would say about Christianity? What do you think? Every single one of these prophets would say, the church is corrupt. It says in the book of Hosea, Israel is corrupt. Okay? Now, that church, those people were under the guidance 
except for um, short periods, somewhat curiously, even in Elijah's day when he was, before he went public anyway, they didn't have a, they didn't have a prophet, but the rest of the time they had inspired prophets and we're supposed to believe that we're superior because of one single thing. Here it is. They say the same thing over and over again. Very mechanical, very robotic. Here it is. We have the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that Christians have to say to defend their corrupt religion. Okay? So, um, anyway, so going back to Good Friday, uh, the reason they call it Good Friday is because um, they're telling you that something horrible happened, but to a Satanist, this is absolutely wonderful. So what you need to understand is when you watch the, the Passion film, if you're a Satanist, you'd be cheering through the whole film. That's why they call it the Passion. Did you know that he's suffering from the very beginning of the film, Chuck? All the way through. Exactly, yes. The Christians are too simple-minded to see that that's satanic. It's like they're too simple-minded to understand, no, 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 Good Friday? No, 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 no. You got deceived again. Why, why are the Christians so deceived? Because they don't know who the enemy is. Now, the only way that you cannot know who the enemy is is if God blinded you. You have to be incredibly stupid. Did you know that God made his own people stupid? Yes, it's a judgment. And it's a corporate judgment. And we're all under this judgment. Okay? God has blinded everybody to some degree. There's nobody that hasn't been blinded. All right? And I look back the way I used, I used to be incredibly blind. I used to believe all this propaganda from the Illuminati. The propaganda is theological. And who do you think it's directed at? It's created by Satanists. Christians like, Dave, why, why are we talking about Satanists, Dave? Uh, because that's the enemy. Do we understand organized Satanism every century after century? They hide and they lurk in the shadows. And what do the Christians know? They don't know deadly squat. How many centuries do we need to give them before they can figure out their mortal enemy? Notice I said mortal. I'm not talking about Satan, Chuck. You see that? How could you never identify your mortal enemy century after century? Then I come out and say, God blinded his own people. And you go, that's absurd. Well, I just proved it right there. Uh, what someone has to prove is that Satanists are not our enemy. Obviously, they are. And Jesus taught this when he said, the first will be last and the last will be first. Who are the people that are last? Those are the holy people that it describes in detail in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, what's the diametric opposite, 180 degrees of those people? Those are the most wicked people. Well, who are the most wicked people? Those are the people that serve uh, Satan uh, zealously. Is, is that true or is that not true? Did I miss that somewhere? No. <laughs> Those are the people that are in power. That's why Jesus said they're first. And he said it's going to be reversed. This is not going to happen until Israel is restored. And I just want to say, because everybody fell for this psyop, like I said before, this Roman Catholic Church claimed that they were a new Israel. So if you're unfamiliar with this, everybody that's listening to me, they believe in two Israels. 
and they believe in the spiritual Israel because the Roman Catholic Church claimed to be a new Israel. They claimed to be a spiritual Israel. And guess what? Uh, we all bought that hook, line, and sinker because whether you hold to what's called replacement theology, which is the historical view of the church up until the 20th century, or you believe in dispensationalism, which is what most Christians believe today. Now, the ones that don't believe in it, they, re- they believe in replacement theology. Well, there's a third position that they've not even heard. And what is that third position? Uh, there's not two Israels, and there's no such thing as a spiritual Israel. There's one Israel. And the quote-unquote spiritual Israel that Paul was talking about has been completely misunderstood. It's a very simple answer. He's simply talking about the remnant. He's not talking about an outer Israel that is separate and distinct. He's talking about an inner Israel, which is actually the true Israel. And if you go back and look at those passages, you go, wow, this fits perfectly. And now ask yourself this question. Why don't we ever hear about this view? I'll tell you why. Forget about the Illuminati, okay? Because God blinded his own people. You have to come up with an explanation for how God's people can be so stupid and blind century after century they can't even identify a mortal enemy? Can't we please have a discussion in Christianity that the new covenant is future, it's just like they teach in Judaism? And I was just looking today, Chuck, at uh, Hebrews chapter 7, and it starts talking about the new covenant. And what does it do? It quotes Jeremiah 31. Look up Jeremiah 31. What is it talking about? It's talking about the land. It's talking about a physical restoration of the land. In every sense of the term, I mean, the land is literally going to be restored, and Israel will be restored as a nation in the land. Do you know what replacement theology does? Now, this is a historical view of the church. They spiritualize the entire thing. Anything that has to do with physicality, oh, no, 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 no. Because you have to. Because, see, they take all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, here we go, and they say they're all fulfilled in Christ. And that is a lie, and that lie comes from the devil. And you know something? All the great Christian minds believe that until there was another (laughs) theological alternative from the Illuminati. Now, how do you think it could be that bad? I already said so. God blinds his own people. Now, God blinds his people, they're going to be blind. You can't get unblind. God has to, um, he has to make the first move. Just like Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. You can't initiate salvation. You cannot unblind yourself. If anyone becomes unblind, it's because God gave him sufficient grace to open his eyes. Okay, so right... Go well, back to the pastor's film again. I just want to mention <clears throat> the entire thing is satanic, and you can prove it's a conspiracy. So you've got to have a conspiratorial mind. The Christians are stupefied as usual. They go to the movie. What does God do to show them that it's satanic? Well, look at the results. They all came back praising the movie, praising Mel Gibson. Oh, he's a great Christian man to put out a movie like that. These are blind people, okay? So in the last, um, very last thing they show you in that film, they show Jesus with his buttocks bared. And if you know anything about the Bible, well, if you know the Bible (laughs) uh, better than 
those Christians, you would know that um, having your buttocks spared in that culture, it was a disgrace. And so what the Assyrians were just one of the cruelest military forces in the history of the world. It'd be kind of like the North Koreans. Have they ever got a, a hold of you? I was just reading yesterday that um, I don't think this is propaganda because it came from a tourist, okay? That they have, what are they, like postcards or something like that over there? And they have um, these pictures of uh, North Korean ripping out, is either ripping, I think it's ripping out the liver of American. I guess they're kind of popular over there or something like that. I don't think they're eating the liver, they're just ripping it out. That's what they think about Americans, okay? So what the Assyrians did, this is in the Bible, by the way. There's a passage about this. Where God actually prophesies to his own people, you'll be led off with your buttocks bared. Because that's a disgrace. And these people, God put them under disgrace. It was a judgment. And Christians don't understand that he's doing the same thing today. And the reason they don't understand is because they're blind. And they're ignorant. They think they're enjoying all the blessings of the new covenant. And all these wonderful things are happening. It's kind of a magical religion. Because uh, actually the exact opposite is happening. And the great majority of Christians, by the way, are heretics. Um, I can prove that. I mean, you know, it was about individuals, okay? But I mean, there's so many things that are wrong, they don't even measure up to a biblical standard. And these are the same people that are calling people heretics on YouTube and Facebook. They don't even know what they're talking about. These, they're just like the pastors. They don't have any theological training, and they are incapable as the decades fly by. They've given them plenty of time. Can you please distinguish between a church heresy and a biblical heresy? Can you please do that? They can't do it. They don't even know what they're talking about. So they say, well, that's a heresy. Uh, typically, when they call something a heresy, it's not in the Bible. Take an example, universalism. It doesn't discuss the doctrine of universalism in Scripture anyway. So if you knew that, then you would know that it, there has to be information condemning something, or at least warning. It says nothing. There's a whole bunch of other doctors that doesn't say anything either. For instance, like emanation, which you don't even hear about, unless you hear about it. What we talked about before. If a Christian hears that, he'll go, oh, that's, that's a heresy. Does it talk about the doctrine of emanation in the Bible, Mr. Christian? Talk about that anyone? No. And yet you ask these Christians, what is your faith? based on what will they say every single time <clears throat> the bible okay so uh this is not the first century religion it's a new religion and you can prove that in less than 10 seconds because um the ignorant christians have not figured out yet as the centuries fly by again here we go as the centuries fly by was there one single man that stood apart from the pack and recognize that this is a different religion. A different religion? Yeah. But fortunately, like I said, you can get saved through this new religion. Now, I'm not talking about New Covenant Christianity. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, a false religion that's new. The apostolic religion is gone. You'll never hear anybody say that. Okay? So I'm going to prove two things at once. You just go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Like I said before, it points out that an apostolic command has the same authority as a written text. There are no apostolic commands that you can uh, not obey. 
They're just as important as a written text. Okay, so first question. Do we have these uh, apostolic traditions today? No, we do not. Well, that's too bad. You know why? Because that's the apostolic religion. That religion was based around apostolic commands that have the same authority as Scripture. Where did that religion go? Well, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't exist anymore. You see that? So who's the person that figured this out as the centuries flew by? You know how many people I've found so far? The simple fact is irrevocable. Because we don't have the information. You cannot practice apostolic Christianity if you wanted to. God took that away too. And when he did that, that was a judgment as well. We're all under a corporate judgment, and we are Israel. And everyone would just kind of roll their eyes, yeah, because they're so blind. Because they're always thinking institutionally. That's all we know, institutional religion, okay? Well, we, we have a pilgrim religion, and uh, I, I didn't quite finish what I was saying earlier, but the way you want to understand Christian, Christianity today, just keep it simple, it's just like the first century. Nothing's changed, okay? Um, John the Baptist, Jesus, and the apostles, what did they say good about the first century religion? But now what that religion is called is Second Temple Judaism. That's what scholars call it, okay? And it was based around a temple. It was a temple-based religion. Can you remember anything good that they said about that religion? No. Now, that means that that religion is, 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 is corrupt by default. Now, this is the religion that existed in John the Baptist's day. Okay? And actually, this is very interesting. Christians wouldn't have a problem with it. You know, if you said, did you think that religion was corrupt? They, they, probably most of them would say yes. They don't like talking about their own religion today. You see? But yeah, see, the religion we have today is corrupt, just like the religion of God's people uh, at the time of uh, John the Baptist and in the centuries preceding that. Now, I could make the case that Ezra and Nehemiah restored that religion sufficiently so that for a time it was no longer corrupt. I can't prove that because there's not a single hint in Scripture that Israel ever repented as a nation. Absolutely shocking. And I've already gone over this before. I know people would think, well, didn't it happen here? Didn't it happen there? No, 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 no. It never happened. And it's not in the Bible anywhere. And if you actually look at Christianity as like a nation, we haven't repented either. We're just, I believe that we're more hardened and obstinate than the Israelites ever were, and more wicked. And then Christians think that we're under all these blessings. Well, if there are chemtrails raining down from the sky on the heads of all Christians, you imbeciles who don't even know this is going on, does God, did God show you you're being sprayed by poisons and your, 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 your water is poisoned, your food is poisoned, the soil is poisoned, the air is poisoned? You got a false moon in the sky? 
even though there's a real moon, but most of, they got a false one. What the heck is that doing up there? That's a curse. And uh, curses are so stupid, okay? And they are stupid. They don't even know that they're under a Genesis 3 curse. They didn't want to talk about the blessings, but they don't even know what a chemtrail is. If you're um, sprayed by chemtrails, um, you'd be best to start thinking about curses and not talking about blessings so much. The same if your food is poison. Do they know that? No. I'm talking about local churches, okay? Our pastors warning their congregation about toxic water. What do you think, Chuck? Poison? No. Fluoride? No. Not at all. No. Are they warned about vaccines? No. Never. Are they warned about chemotherapy? No. It's killing one person after another. Are they warned about that? No. Not at all. These um, liberals, we call them Protestant pastors, uh, do they warn the people about birth control? Uh, No. That sinks them right there. Because they even talk about that in Roman Catholicism. See, Protestantism is liberalism, modern liberalism. Now, it didn't used to be, but if you think for a moment that the religion that we have today, modernistic, okay, that this is a Protestant religion, (laughs) Martin Luther would either be horrified or he'd think that's very uh, funny, depending on how much beer he's drinking. I was just researching his beer swizzling today. I stand behind Luther, by the way, but he liked his beer. I drink a lot of wine, too. In fact, I just read today, Chuck, that, um, I really read this, that he he didn't like to to, prepare, I think, like a Bible study or a sermon unless he had a a stein of beer. That's what it said. And by the way, there's a book written on this. I I saved it on Amazon. And it focuses on Luther and Calvin, because Calvin liked to drink beer, too. And in fact, um, he actually said in his writings that um, when he went, he, he liked to visit new towns because he liked to taste their beer. Because, in the, you know, like they're like a glorified village or something, you know. And they had, they all had that kind of unique beer. You know what I mean? So anyway. Um, they're not going to tell you today that Jesus was crucified. And they're not going to tell you today that he was resurrected. It doesn't work that way. Okay? So you take your pick. There's two views. There's the one you hear over and over and over again, same old thing, and you never hear anything different because God has blinded his own people. I do a little research for a few minutes on Google, which Christians don't do. They just believe what they're told. And you get a completely different story, and you'll notice um, if you look at sufficient detail, it's a lie. It's a lie, okay? So there you go. You ask a simple question. And that's the answer. <clears throat> now I'm going to look in the chat room again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is he still there or did he leave? Uh, guest three is in, and so is West Oklahoma. Actually, guest uh, West Oklahoma is on the phone. Okay. On the call. Well, David, right. like, you know, not gonna... if you go back to history, it's like the passages uh, 
people and the people say is how can we learn unless they send a preacher, unless they send a mm-hmm. teacher or a preacher, you know? <clears throat> so, I mean, even the people, you know, in the uh, Old Testament, they'd send a prophet every now and then that uh, uh, could have revelation and decipher the text and teach the people the ways. Um, the apostles were that way too. They had divine revelation. They actually had Jesus with them and uh, they were given, they were empowered to be able to teach and to interpret the uh, God's will. Um, people on their own, I'm thinking about the eunuch too in the, uh, in the chariot that the, uh, one of the apostles had to go, even though he had the script in front of him, he, you know, I think he's the one that said, how can I learn this if I don't have a teacher, you know? And um, that's um, talking about the gospel. They have to hear the gospel to be able to respond. Yeah, yeah, but uh, this kind of um, a missionary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like almost like reading these texts and stuff. Uh, like you were talking about sectarians, okay? Sectaria, different sects, sectarians. They all get their own opinions and they uh, turn into man-made, man-made interpretations. And they build, they build, uh, you know, churches or whatever the organizations out of that, you know. Um, and, and like you say, they all stick to it. Then they, uh, they, their minds actually get more and more closed. Because they don't have any, uh, they don't have, uh, they don't have a prophet. Put it that way, I guess. You know, that's kind of what I see today going on. We're waiting for a prophet to come to decipher all this for us again. Elijah. Uh-huh. So, okay, guess three. When you said that he died on the cross of the zodiac, dead for three days, uh, sun and uh, parentheses. You said sun and rose again on the third. That's not a Christian view. I've studied the occult, you know, for years from a Christian perspective. And uh, <clears throat> that's something that occultists say. It's never been historically a Christian view. And uh, then you said, what does Jesus' resurrection got to do with the Jews? Well, um, initially, most Christians were Jews. Okay, so that's what it has to do with it. And then uh, there was two groups. And the second group got bigger and bigger. And what a Jew is, it's, it's kind of a, it's a faulty word. It's given to us in a weaponized language. But, and it's, it's a modern word. Google that and see how old it is. This is not a word from the, from the Bible. It's not an ancient word. But um, what a Jew is or was is either someone from a bloodline Okay, here's what they are. Um, a Jew can be a person from the um, tribe of Judah. Everybody knows that, right? Or it can be a person from the southern kingdom. In the southern kingdom, there was two tribes. The other tribe was a Benjamite. Okay? So you can be a Benjamite and be a Jew from Judah. Now, a better term would be a Judean or a Judaite. See, we have these other terms, and people don't use them. Okay, so anyway, uh, the other thing is um, a Jew can be a practitioner of Judaism uh, from any race, or they can be a combination of what I mentioned earlier. In other words, they can be from the bloodline, and they practice. Because you understand there were some um, Jews who were basically kind of like secular, not even religious, even back then, just like they are today. So, you're going to call him a Jew? Yeah, that's fine. But see, we just have to qualify our terms. Christians throw these terms around, just like on television, 
They don't even define them because that's what lay people do. They don't have good working definitions because they're not supposed to. What, if you don't have a good work, working definition, then it creates um, confusion. This is what, what the controllers want and also creates division. And that's what they want too. And today, go to YouTube and you'll see all kinds of people fighting over the word Jew. Different interpretations of the word Jew. And as a general rule, I mean, the great bulk of them are wrong. That both the sides that are fighting, they're both wrong. And this is typical, by the way. Both sides are wrong. Both sides are claiming to be Christians. Uh, they actually have not even heard the truth. The truth is suppressed. It typically has to do with an undiscussed middle position, an undiscussed middle position between uh, two theological extremes that have to do with polarizing errors that are historically publicized and made popular because Christians are the enemy. So this is why they create theological propaganda. Do Christians believe in theological propaganda? They haven't even heard of theological propaganda because they talk about this devil, but they're not sophisticated enough in their thinking to draw the simple conclusion that God works through evil men and they just happen to be, are you ready? Organized. And they know who the enemy is too. You know who they think the enemy is? You. The Christians are so dumb. You know how dumb Christians are, Chuck? They think that liberals are the enemy. You ever heard that one? Hillary is the enemy. Actually, Hillary's a Satanist, okay? So you got that one wrong too. In fact, a lot of these people, they think they're liberals. No, they're just actors. And they're Satanists. So why they, how did they get in these positions of power? Go well, back to what I said about um, what Jesus said. Last will be first, first will be last. You know who put the Satanists in power? Brace yourself. God. See that? It's always that way. He puts the rulers. He lifts one man up and he takes them down. He does both. Anyone in a position of rulership, according to Scripture, is placed there by God. This is the way things get done. Okay, so I'm going to unmute uh, West Oklahoma, even though I don't know this person. So a lot of times people get on here and cuss. I hope that's not going to happen. You know, the first thing out of their mouth is a swear word. You there, Oklahoma? He might have stepped away too anyway, so. Sorry, could you just start listening? What's that? My side just listen. Good, good conversation. Oh, good chat. Okay, okay. I've been on here for a while, so if people have questions, I'll stick around a little bit longer. But uh, he also said that Christ had to have a perfect timing with nature to die and resurrect. Uh, I'm not sure what he means there, but uh, without any information. More information, I would disagree with that. Not sure if you can pull that out of the hat, but possible. Well, I actually believe, uh, oh, you, you think that he died in, on the winter solstice, okay? I think he died in April. And the reason is, is because, well, I think he was resurrected in April uh, because there's... This is on our calendar, okay? Now, they had their own calendar, but there was an overlap. 
But there's actually a month of resurrection. Okay? In our on our calendar, I'm talking about seasonally. There's a resurrection month. I'm talking about resurrection of nature. Okay? In other words, why are we talking about this? Because, um, first of all, in the Bible, it talks about a spiritual resurrection. A lot of Christians don't know that. Okay? So it's not either or. But um, in the uh, winter, we experience a death. Right? And on the winter solstice, there's a... Um, there's like a birth of the sun. You see that? Nature dies, and it's born anew. And when is it born anew? In the spring. That has to do with the spring equinox. Okay? But you could make the case that April is the two. You can make a case for either one. Um, I tend to emphasize April because I think that Christ was resurrected then. I don't think it was... I don't think it was March. And I, I could be wrong. But we've talked about this in the background, right, Chuck? The April is the month of resurrection. Right, right. But it's the springtime. Um, nature is resurrected. This is like a big picture, okay? And there's a reason why um, Christ was resurrected at that time. It wouldn't make any sense at all that he was resurrected the winter solstice. Oh, actually, that's not true because it has to do with the birth of the sun. But it's kind of like a, um, an esoteric birth. I've talked about this on the show. So really, there's two different births. Yeah, it does, it does make some sense, okay? There's two different births, you know, seasonally. There's the winter solstice, which is esoteric. And uh, then there is the um, spring equinox, when nature is officially born anew, you know. So anyway. Obviously, uh, winter is a season of death, but it's different in other cultures because they don't have a true winter. Isn't that something? Uh, nature doesn't die in every uh, part of the world out there. It does. Does it do that in the tropics? No. Okay. That's in the northern climes. Obviously. Anything else? No, not for me. Okay. No more questions? Hmm. I was trying to access the uh, chat room on my desktop computer. It doesn't... Okay, I had to to refresh it. It doesn't even say there's a call going on. You ever listened to this show before, uh, West Oklahoma? Might have stepped away. Yeah, usually the uh, original one. Oh, you talking about room number one? Yeah, it doesn't say number yeah, two on that. Yeah, yeah, it's got a, we got a, this is inferior audio typically. Well, it's always inferior this, for different reasons. So, all right, well, I'm glad you're listening to the show. And so, uh, all right, we'll take off. Um, no, you, I said, had to you said something earlier. Uh-huh. You said something earlier. 
You said something earlier about the the tree or Genesis. If if more people would wake up and look up, because the redemption draws nigh when they look up, and they can uh-huh. see that they're not on a they're not on a spinning ball, that oh. would help out a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't believe that either. It's a bunch of nonsense. Nobody believes that stuff. Uh, unless you go back back far enough in history, uh, supposedly, um, according to what they say, uh, Pythagoras was the first guy that gets credited historically with the concept that the Earth was a sphere. It's based on the uh, concept that the sphere is the um, mm, it's, it's a qualitatively superior, they call them platonic solids, you know, the different shapes. And so that's the basis for the view that I, in some forms of neoplatonic thought that the um, the universe is a sphere. You see, they're going to theorize along those lines because that's uh, like a perfect form. You know what I mean? So, um, Chris, I'm going to end this uh, real quick. You can call in though if you want. <clears throat> so, are you a, are you a flat earther? West Oklahoma. Yeah, if you're talking West Oklahoma. Yeah, it looks uh-huh. yeah. looks to me according to the scripture in my eyes uh-huh. that uh, the evidence shows that water does not, you know, go upside down like that. And it's fixed mm-hmm. and unmovable. And that's part of the Satanist lies to tell you that your home that God designed for you is is bad and it's got global warming, so we need to go to Mars. We need to get out into another world. Yeah. Yeah, they can now use nanotechnology to uh, actually destroy all the pollution on Earth and make it completely pristine. And they've even admitted it. Uh, the only excuse that they throw out there is it's too expensive, you know, to use it like to, um, you know, purify the soil or or a lake. They have the ability. They've already done it. So why can't you help the people? Can you help us with this nanotechnology? Oh, no, it's too expensive. That's the only thing they said so far. It's not practical. That's not true. They're lying to you. They want to deliberately uh, pollute the earth. Um, it's the same old thing, problem, reaction, solution. So um, they're, they're pushing the ecology stuff right now. They're bringing conspiracy. Uh, they were not doing this in the 70s or 80s or 90s, but now, oh, they're telling us, oh, we've got to save the planet or it'll all be destroyed. Right? So they were doing it in the 80s. They, they, yeah. they started with the with the uh, killer bees are going to get us? Uh-huh. At the same well, time, HIV book, uh, was coming around? The first book on that subject was called The Greening, and it was exposing this uh, conspiracy, and it was written by a Christian. I actually have the book. I think it came out in the 80s. It's, it's old. But obviously, it was going on to some degree back then because he wrote that book, exposing it. You know what I mean? But as far as the you know typical person... They weren't really thinking along those lines yet, you know. They weren't concerned about the Earth that much because uh, the, the media wasn't talking about it enough. But now they're trying to scare us, you know, that we're all going to be destroyed. They keep pounding the table. They put it in the movies and all this kind of crazy stuff. Over well, they they have fast back then, too. They have fast it in the 70s with the uh, oil mm-hmm. crisis. Uh-huh. That was the start of it with the oil crisis in the 70s. Now we've got all this fracking, 
it's destroying everything. It's destroying the aquifers. And um, my interpretation of all that is that um, these people are Satanists, and they um, they just destroy things. That's what they do. If God creates something, and they're going to destroy it or taint it or corrupt it. That's part of their religion. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but that's what they do. Really? I think they started with, any... with the ozones, huh? if you remember that. Remember the ozone scare there for about five or six oh, years? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they were pushing that big time. There's some truth in that, you know. But you never get the straight truth. They either... Uh, uh, twist it in one direction or the other, you know, up or down. I just don't give it a straight truth unless it's something that's just not that important. Insatialism, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to contact me, I, I try to talk to people on the phone. You can uh, email me, West Oklahoma. I try to stay within contact with as many people as possible and talk to them and stuff like that. It's up to you. But I try to make myself available. But I would have to have uh, information at your end to do that. So. There's an email for the show, and there's also an email for um, Augustine uh, at gmail.com. Is there another question in the chat room, Chuck? Uh, I don't know. I'm uh, walking around outside my backyard right now. Oh, you probably heard me, West Coast woman, but I, I am, I'm a, kind of like a near flat earther, okay? I think there's a slight uh, curvature to it. I don't think it's too significant, but uh, yes. Chris is in there, too, but he's just listening. Anything else? Anybody? You got a question, Chris? Okay. All right, I'll end it here, okay? I'm going to do right, something, so. Yeah. Talk to you later tonight, Chuck, okay? All right. Yeah, enjoy Bye, Sunday. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! <laughs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. 